passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops, hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. It is a post-trade deadline, H-Town Hoops edition. The NBA trade deadline just wrapped up, and the Rockets did have some action, a little bit more action than maybe we were anticipating. The big name that everyone was talking about, the one that, has probably been the most anticipated trade piece for the Rockets, or at least one of them for the last couple of seasons. Eric Gordon, after nearly seven seasons, so let's call it six and a half, going into almost seven seasons for the Rockets, now has a new home. He's been traded to the Clippers with a lot going on in the trade. Let's see. So it's a multi-team deal. Um, Eric Gordon goes to the Clippers, uh, the Clippers, Adam, do you want to break this down? The Clippers send, uh, I guess eventually the, the Clippers send back John Wall. John Wall's more than likely going to get waived. But the main point here is that Eric Gordon is gone and that the Rockets are moving on from, from Eric Gordon. Yeah, so the Clippers give up John Wall, and I believe they send Luke Kennard to Memphis. Yeah. Uh, and then the Grizzlies send uh, Danny Green to the Rockets, and then the Rockets get a pick swap from the Clippers in 2023. And it's a pick swap between the pick that the Rockets already have belonging to Milwaukee and the Clippers. And if you look at it right now, if the season were to end today, that Milwaukee pick would fall at 28. The Clippers pick would be at 18. So the Rockets would move up 10 spots. Um, and that's really the only part of the trade that really matters for them is that pick swap and just where it winds up uh, as the uh, the season progresses and as the season ends. It uh, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't expecting it. We came on here on Monday and I did not expect Eric Gordon to be traded, but 
it was a seller's market. And I think that's the one thing that you heard uh, throughout, you know, the last week or so is that it's a seller's market. You look at the teams in the West and basically everyone except for the Rockets and Spurs is competing to at least be in the play in uh, the Eastern Conference. Most teams are competing there. And so uh, if you get the offer that you want, you have to pounce on it. And it's not. You know, the return isn't huge or anything like that, but I do think the prospect for them of moving up possibly 10, I mean, it could be more than 10 spots. It could be less than 10 spots, but the possibility of taking that late first round pick from Milwaukee and moving it into the middle of the first round. I think that that um, for the Rockets was, was very appealing because, you know, late first round picks, they're, they're nice to have, but ultimately the, 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 the rate of return on them isn't great. So I think, you know, they, they took, they had the 17th pick last year that turned into Tari East. I mean, that's the type of guy that you're looking for in the middle of the first round, as opposed to a late first round pick, which, you know, those tend to be huge, huge wild cards. And this team doesn't necessarily need another late first round pick. They've had plenty of them over the last few years. So it's the end of an era. It's unfortunate that it ended the way that it did last night, where Eric Gordon's last act as a rocket is committing a possible phantom foul on, uh, on a play that, ultimately uh, lost them the game against Sacramento, but uh, he was a tremendous player for them for almost seven years. And uh, it, it had to end at some point. I'm a little surprised that it ended today, but it happens. And uh, just all the best to him moving forward. I think that anyone who has been around him, covered him would tell you he was as great to, to, to work with really as you could imagine. Yeah, I thought it was real unfortunate the way that the game ended on Wednesday night because there was always going to be that possibility that Eric Gordon could get traded the next day, you know, with the with the trade deadline looming. And and given just all of that we knew with, you know, the trade rumors surrounding his name, even for the last few years and and certainly up to this point. And so it was always going to be that possibility anyway, no matter how that game ended. So for it to end that way, I thought was unfortunate. Of course, you I know you've seen this throughout the fan base and how there's a lot of people, I would imagine a lot of people that would listen to this podcast who have grown frustrated with Eric Gordon, really of no fault of his own. Like it's, and, and that for me is the reason why when we were on this podcast last time, the last episode we did, I was saying for me, I, I less had a problem with watching Eric Gordon play basketball for this team as I did like for the, on the Rockets behalf, as much as I did for Eric Gordon. Cause I just thought at this point, you know, he he deserved the opportunity that James Harden and P.J. Tucker kind of fought for or pouted for and and tried to get that he never his personality just was not sort of oriented in that way or inclined to be that way to try to force his way out or to complain his way out or pout his way out or anything like that. And that's not even in this moment to judge those guys for that. It's just really to point out that Eric Gordon is built a little bit differently and that just wasn't his personality. So. I always thought it was unfair that he got a little bit of vitriol in large part because of, you know, the reason why he's still here is uh, in a lot of ways because of the professionalism, because of the things that you just mentioned there in your comments. So yeah, and, and, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just thought it was, I, I, I thought it was unfair or di a disproportionate, the, the feeling about Eric Gordon toward the end of his tenure as a Rocket, to me, was disproportionate to the value that he brought to the franchise overall in its totality. And even to this team in and of itself, Adam, I will point that out just to make this point, that as bad as this team is and as oddly constructed as it can be sometimes, Eric Gordon still, and you've pointed this out uh, quite a bit, is still one of their better players, one of their better shot makers, 
one of their better defenders, possibly and, and likely their most professional player in terms of like just decorum and, and just knowing how to be a pro and like, just generally speaking on, on a basketball team, give me a guy that can go get a bucket. Like give me a guy that can go get his own shot. He'll always have a spot on my team, especially if he's not a malcontent, which we understand Eric Gordon has never been. So like, I, I've always thought that he had a, a viable place on the team. It just did not make sense for him or for where the team was in its developmental process to have him here. And that's why it was always confusing but I never really understood the, the frustration with Eric Gordon himself. And maybe it's just, you know, the, 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 the way fans emote, but, but I always thought, like I said, the, the appreciation for Eric Gordon did not always feel proportionate to, to the way it should be. Yeah. I had this conversation with somebody high up in their front office before last year's deadline. And we were talking about the possibility of them trading Gordon back then. And the thing that, that, that he said to me was, we noticed that when good things happen with our young players, that Eric is involved in some way, whether he's on the floor, he's directly involved in that. And it kind of felt like he was a crutch for them. And I kind of thought that the young players, and I know they didn't really win games last year when he, I mean, they were one in 24 when he didn't play last year. And the only game they won was a game against Portland where the Blazers were trying to lose as badly as they possibly could. But it, it felt like last year that it was especially towards the end of the year where, where they sat him the, the last couple of weeks that they had kind of advanced to not needing him as that crutch as much. But then you watch them this year, they're one in seven in the games that he hasn't played in. And the margin of the losses in, in those seven games has been 19 points. So, you know, I, I, they need to find a way to be a functional basketball team without Eric Gordon for these last you know, 27 games because they haven't shown that they can be that. Um, now we'll see how this goes. Um, you are taking Eric Gordon off the roster and you essentially aren't replacing him with anything. So that's, uh, that that's going to be interesting to see. Um, just, I, I think that Gordon right now is probably very, very happy. I think that Eric is happy that, that he's moving on. I think he wanted to be in a situation where he can win. If they would not have traded him though, I don't think he would have pouted. I don't think he would have, you know, I know he wasn't going to ask for a buyout. He would have kept playing and would have been professional and he would have played hard and would have, you know, been exactly what the Rockets wanted. So um, he, he is the type of guy, there's a reason why they kept him around for as long as they did, because they wanted his professionalism around all these young guys. I remember last year after they didn't trade, uh, after they didn't trade him, Kevin Porter Jr. saying how happy he was and how relieved he was that they did not trade him. Um, yeah, he had I remember a, that too. Yep. He had a major impact on those guys. So I'm, I'm interested to see how things go with him not being there for these last 27 games, because I think it's important for them. It's important for this group that they take some sort of a step forward. That doesn't necessarily mean winning a bunch of games, because I don't think this team is going to win a bunch of games. But if they can be they, they need to be competitive without him, because if they're not, then it really throws into question some of the guys that they have. Uh, on the roster right now and you don't have that crutch anymore you don't have that guy who knows what he's doing on both ends of the floor and so these guys these these young guys are going to get get thrown into it here for these last 27 games but uh, again a, a tremendous player for them I think he obviously exceeded all expectations that anyone had for him and as somebody who saw him play in college and understood just how um, how how hyped he was in high school. I mean, I, I was at Indiana during while he was getting recruited. 
coaches got fired because he did not go to Indy because he did not originally commit to Indiana. That's why that was the end of the line for Mike Davis is when Eric Gordon um, committed to Illinois first out of high school. And then Kelvin Sampson became a king overnight in Bloomington when Eric Gordon switched his commitment from Illinois to Indiana. I mean, that, that was, that's one of the best high school classes ever. That 2007 high school class where it's Derek Rose and Gordon and James Harden and Kevin Love. And I know I'm, I'm OJ Mayo. Mayo at the time, at the time, OJ, OJ Mayo was the guy. Yeah. OJ Mayo there, there's others. And I think Blake Griffin was, yeah, Blake Griffin was yep. a part of that class. I mean, it, it's an unbelievable high school class. And Gordon was probably the most heralded out of all of them. And I remember James Harden uh, saying a couple of years ago, the first time he ever saw Eric Gordon play, he had to he had to ask, like, are you sure that guy's in our grade? Are you sure he's in the same grade as us? That's how good um, Eric Gordon was. And, you know, his career got sidetracked just because he had a lot of these bad luck injuries with the Clippers and then in New Orleans. And that ended really badly for him uh, with the Pelicans. So it was it was really good to see him come here and really – it felt like his career turned around to what it should have been. And, you know, I, Eric Gordon, I don't think he, he's the type of guy that will ever go into the hall of fame, but I think that you will remember him for not just what he was in high school, but I think you'll remember him for uh, just having a tremendous NBA career where he was just as professional and low key as it got. Michael Beasley, another underrated name in that high school yes. class. People will, will look back and it, you, you would have just had to be there to to really understand or, or you know, like at, at that time, I mean, that was the guy. I, I, look, that, I remember that high school class very well. I, I am the same. I am of the same high school class, man. That was a, a moment in time and Eric Gordon was certainly a part of it. And like you said, uh, exceeded expectation for, I think, for when he got here. And another moment, another thing to mention about, the other night when, you know, the, the way that game ended against the Kings with him, the sort of phantom foul, slight bump, you know, probably more of a no call, whatever. But, you know, earlier in that game, Adam, what happened? I mean, he he passed – who did he pass on the list, uh, on the three-point list? Passed, passed Chauncey Bills. Earlier in the yeah. week in, in Chauncey Bills yeah. yesterday. Yeah, and then now he's 21st, 21st on the three-point list uh, all time. And, you know, they they – you know, respectfully and, you know, very, uh, I, I thought, class, you know, in a classy way, uh, recognized that and, and and honored Eric Gordon. It was kind of a moment, you know, I, I remember us sitting there kind of on press row thinking like, is that his, is that his goodbye? You know, I, and, and obviously it wasn't, it wasn't prompted by the fact that he was leaving. It was prompted by the fact that he had, you know, passed up Chauncey Billups on the all-time three-point list. But, you know, the, 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 the point to make about that though, Adam, and you can speak to this better than anybody is that, What's cool about it is that he's on that list because he played on some of those Rockets, on those Rockets teams, you know, on those, on some of the best Rockets teams that, you know, I guess never won a championship, but you know, the way that, the way that run and the way those teams are going to be remembered as are, are going to be and and specifically with Eric Gordon too, are going to be as the ones that, that tried to gun down the Warriors, like the ones that were built to beat the Warriors. And I think in large part, and, and, and of course there was the, you know, the, the, the never forget how they missed the, you know, the 20 something threes in a row or whatever it was in the in in the playoff game. But like that, that was one of the, you know, new age, you know, three and D, you know, under Daryl Morey and with Eric Gordon and the James Harden era. Like he he is a part of a very special moment, I think, in specifically in Rockets history, but also in the way that the game shifted, you know, along with the Warriors and 
just sort of the way the game is played today. Yeah, he you remember just that free agent class in, in 2016 when the cap spiked. They actually they spent more money on Ryan Anderson. They gave Ryan Anderson eighty million dollars. Uh, they gave Gordon fifty two. But it, it turned out Gordon really was the perfect player for what they were trying to do under D'Antoni with Daryl Morey running basketball operations, playing next to James Harden. Um, secondary ball handler could defend anyone one through five. He really was the absolute perfect guy, and he was the guy that the Rockets really had coveted for a long time. They tried to sign him to an offer sheet when he was a restricted free agent with the Pelicans. I mean, they, they did everything they could to get him. He wound up signing the offer sheet with Phoenix, New Orleans matched, and he kind of got stuck stuck with the, with the Pelicans for a lot longer than he wanted. But he was the perfect player for them. He was able, for the most part, to stay healthy. He didn't have any of those freak injuries. He had the nicks and bumps that, that you would expect from guys. But um, really, again, just the perfect guy that they could have signed uh, back in, in that free agency class seven years ago. And uh, just he, he had a, a really a great run with the Rockets. It, there are very few players over the last 20, 25 years that have been with this team for, for six and a half years uh, that have been here that long. Really, the list is James Harden. I mean, that's that's essentially what it what it has been uh, in Yao Ming. I mean, Tracy McGrady wasn't here for for six years. Uh, Dwight Howard wasn't here for six years. Steve Francis wasn't here for six years. I mean, it, the list is Harden, Yao, and I believe that's probably it. Patrick Beverly came close, but he was really only here for five. So uh, a, a great, great player, a professional, and uh, someone that they will really miss, not just the rest of this season, but really moving forward. What do you think about what this does with the West, man? I'm looking at the three, four, or I should say the four, five, and six seeds. The Mavs adding Kyrie Irving, we talked about that in the last episode. Didn't anticipate Kevin Durant getting traded until maybe later on after we recorded that episode, but they obviously add, the Phoenix Suns do, add Kevin Durant, the fifth seed. And the sixth seed, the Clippers, as we're talking about now, uh, adding uh, adding Eric Gordon, I, I, feel like, I, I feel like that is a significant shakeup in the West that was already wide open. And and we can talk about how the Kevin Durant trade uh, actually impacts the Rockets a little bit later. But I just think that it's interesting that the uh, that these, you know, the four five and six seed. And like we said already, it's wide open. They're, they essentially have the same record. I'm talking about them being the four five and six seed. We have no idea what that order is going to be like. And all three of those teams look significantly different now. Like. Like I, I the, if there's something that I really like for for Eric Gordon is that he's going to factor into the relevancy of the West all of a sudden, like he went from being the, I won't even call it the scapegoat. Cause he did, you know, he didn't have to foul or didn't have to even contest in that way, but he goes from being sort of uh, the, 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 the pariah for that, for that one game and meaningless game with the Rockets where, you know, they're, they're losing to the Kings and they're the worst team in the league to all of a sudden factoring into the Western conference landscape. I think it's actually pretty interesting what's happened right there in the middle of the pack for the West. Yeah, I, I haven't really thought about just the long-term West and, and just the outlook, just because everything is just so muddled with everybody. I mean, you have Denver here at the top, and then kind of everyone else, it just seems very up in the air. I mean, Memphis has really taken a slide over the last yeah. couple of weeks. You know, what happens with New Orleans once, once Zion Williamson gets healthy? Because, I mean, they they were it was looking like they might compete for the number one seed. Uh, Sacramento, right. I mean, Sacramento is really good. But, you know, Sacramento yeah. really didn't do anything. Does anybody think that I, – I think what Sacramento is third right now in the West. Does anybody really think that they are – 
contenders to to win the conference. Uh, the Warriors made some moves kind of on the outskirts uh, here today. Uh, so the West is really interesting, and it's going to make for, first of all, a very interesting postseason. But just the race for these teams to get into the top 10 and into the top six, I think, will be will be fascinating. And what's interesting for the Clippers, because this is obviously now a team that the Rockets are interested in. They, they don't play the Clippers again this season, but the Rockets, it would be beneficial for the Rockets if the Clippers lose some games. The Clippers have not been willing to really put stress on their big-time players. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they have been really big on the injury management stuff. And in the West, if you do that too much, you can find yourself in a really tough spot. Whether you you could find it right now, the Clippers are fourth in the West, but I think there's only three games separating them and 11th. And while you know the Clippers are better than the 11th place team in the Western Conference. A couple bad weeks, and all of a sudden, you are finding yourself scrambling a little bit. So uh, I'm curious. No, Actually, Adam, no, the Adam, they're, they're, they're six. They're all eight and a half games back. The the that's yeah, what I was saying about the math. Yeah. That's what's interesting about it. They're the same. Like think about it, Adam. You can't outside of maybe conceding that whoever the Nuggets play in the first round more than likely is a number one seed. Like if they get that, more than likely they're going to beat whoever they play. But after that, when you consider the play-in and everyone else from Memphis on down, I can't. I don't know if I can pick a series. Yeah, like it's today. Hard, but, but the Clippers are tied for fourth, so they're tied right. for fourth in the. I'm going by the. Actually, no. So they are. They they're are six. at 27 losses. They're sixth because of because of the loss column. So they're at 27 losses. The Lakers are 13th. They have 30 losses. So three losses separate sixth in the West from 13th in the West. So if Kawhi Leonard has to miss some time, then who knows what happens to the Clippers in that spot. And now maybe you're looking at getting a lottery pick out of this trade. So I'm really interested to see how the Clippers play these last, you know, 20 something games. And if they really like lean forward and put some stress on these guys and really make them have to play because one bad week you're in the play in and now everything gets thrown in two bad weeks and maybe you're out of the play in altogether. So there's some pressure on the Clippers right now. Uh, And so I think that's another reason why I think the Rockets thought that this was worth it because who knows what this pick swap could wind up being today. They're moving up 10 spots in the draft. It could be 15 spots. Who knows, you know, when this whole thing is said and done. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, it's wild, and I think it's good. That's what really makes it really interesting from, you know, both the Rocket standpoint in terms of what the market dictated, or just having a wanting to strike while the iron's hot, while the iron was hot, and also the league overall. Um, these teams, and you look at what some of these teams in the West are doing, just in terms of 
attaching themselves to aging stars from, you know, from the Suns with Durant and, you know, the Clippers, I guess, to a lesser extent with 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 Eric Gordon. Uh, and then obviously the Warriors are aging, the, you know, the defending champs and like uh, uh, so many of the West Western Conference, Western Conference teams have made desperation moves. And then you think about these younger teams that are sort of up and coming with the Nuggets and the Grizzlies and the Kings. And then, like you mentioned, the Pelicans. Like it's just a really interesting landscape in the West. I can't wait to see how the postseason, how, how the playoffs uh, actually play out once we get through it. Uh, but other moves that the Rockets made that were significant, or at least I would say significant to the makeup of the team, is that there's no more no more Gary Bird. The Gary Bird era is over, and Bruno Fernando, who we touted early on in the season, uh, before he came back uh, as the you know their their best pick and roll big man. And both of the and Garrison Matthew are arguably their best outside shooter. You could make the case anyway, uh, him or Eric Gordon. And both of these guys are going as well. Traded to the Hawks. The Hawks sent a, a few second round picks. How many, how many second round picks was it? Two. Uh, in addition to a couple of players, I think it was Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are coming back to to the Rockets. What's your reaction to that? How all of that plays out? Uh, the the obvious thing for me. I'll let you speak to this as we mentioned Bruno as their, you know, main pick and roll big. What it obviously does, no more of that three big man rotation that I think frustrated a lot of people to watch between Bruno, Garuba, and obviously Alvin and Shingun starting. Um, no more Bruno, and of course Boban I think is more than likely going to be waived uh, to create the roster spot for uh, all the moves that they made at the deadline. So, what's your reaction? Them, they are so, uh, Bo- Boban. They're gonna, so they're going to waive Boban to make room for the the two guys for I mean because they have to make room because they they traded three guys today they brought in four so they have to make they have to waive one guy to so that they can add the, the four guys right. that they brought in they're going to waive uh, Boban to add everybody and then I imagine they'll waive Wall and we'll see about uh, about Danny Green and then once they have a roster spot they assuming uh, Boban clears waivers they would look to bring Boban back. That's what it sounds. That's what Jonathan Vegas said. That's what Fagan said. They're going to, to try to do um, just on this. Yeah, but training, way, he yeah, I was going to say he doesn't, at the very least, he doesn't factor into the rotation though. So yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's there for the vibes, but uh, just on this trade, they, they basically just bought two second round picks because you look at just the salaries of, of Matthews and um, of Fernando they are less than what Holiday and Kaminsky make. Therefore, you know, I, I don't know what it'll wind up being, you know, because, you know, you have to prorate these deals. But, you know, I think Justin Holiday was in the – I think those two players made around $8 million, something like that, this season, whereas Matthews and uh, and Bruno were around five-something. Uh, so I, I basically just – you take the difference and you're getting the second-round pick. So I think that's basically yeah. the reason – for that trade, you move a couple deck chairs and yet you add a couple second round picks in the process. And, you know, that's something that they have been doing lately. You remember when they traded down uh, in, in the draft from, I think it was 26 to 29. I believe they added two second round picks there. They made that trade with Oklahoma City during training camp. They added the second round pick in that. And then they obviously get the two second round picks from Atlanta in this trade today. I mean, second round picks don't matter a whole lot. I mean, you're seeing teams give up five second round picks just to to make some of these trades work. But they are they're nice to have and and they can be beneficial for you um, in the long run. So basically, that trade was about adding you know a couple second round picks, uh, 
and uh, taking on a little extra salary. I wouldn't expect Justin Holiday or Frank Kaminsky to have much of a role moving forward. I, they might be able to help out at, at some point, but you know, uh, I think it was just for them about adding the second round picks. And it also, what it, what it allows the Rockets to do, both Matthews and Fernando had non-guaranteed contracts for next year. My guess is they probably would have picked those up just because they weren't for a whole lot of money. But now that decision is made for you. And so the Rockets go into the summer with, you know, around $60 million in cap space. So I just think that it keeps the Rockets from having to make a decision on what to do with Matthews and with Fernando uh, going into next year. Yeah, as you said, basically purchasing a couple of second round picks and then for the Hawks, obviously framed as, you know, a cost saving move. They they offload some salary. They give up. Uh, you know, they didn't give up a couple of second round picks to do so. And, and, and it also sounds like they wanted Matthews and they've had Fernando. You know, I, I believe the Hawks drafted Fernando and he played for them uh, a couple of years ago. So they, they've got some background with Fernando. I do think that they wanted a shooter uh, to, to really help out that offense a little bit. I don't know how much he'll play for them, but it does sound like the Hawks really wanted uh, Matthews. Yeah. Not the Hawks trade that I think everybody uh, might've been anticipating leading up to the deadline, but it's the Hawks trade, the 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 Rockets Hawks trade that you'll get, I suppose. But yeah, again, but the way I look at it more so than anything is just in the immediacy. It's it's them all in may be a stretch, but just by sheer numbers, since Boban doesn't really factor into the rotation, it means to me that Garuba is clearly their their backup center at this point. Um, so so there's a thing. I, I think that's what stands out to me with between Eric Gordon being traded and more specifically, Bruno Fernando being traded, it somewhat elevates. And I know K.J. Martin already had a prominent role on this team throughout the season, and we've seen his improvement. It's been it's really been outstanding to a large degree. Uh, but it, it, it to me, puts it a, a little bit more of a prominent role for both K.J. Martin as the kind of permanent, permanent being for this season, three-man, and Garuba being the backup center, no more of the – Hey, what's the what's the three man center rotation thing? So adds a little bit clarity in the rotations, I think, that uh that I feel like a lot of people grow impatient with unnecessarily, but grow impatient with uh nonetheless. And so and so it just kind of clears up a little bit of a little bit of log jam there. Uh two things real quick. Give Tillman Fertitta some credit because again, he took on some salary to get the two second round picks. So uh, we do need to mention that, you know, he was willing to take on the money. He did this with the Oklahoma city trade back in October as well. You know, people have mentioned that, you know, he might not always look to spend money when he needs to. He has with this trade, you know, he took on money in order to, to make this trade work and to add a couple of, you know, not great assets, but assets. Nonetheless, you bring up Garuba as the backup center. I do think obviously that clears out a body for him. And so that gives him an opportunity to play a little bit more. I also want to see how much more do they go small? And you've yeah. seen this a little bit. We haven't seen it a lot, but you've seen this a little bit to where, you know, they one of the games when, when Shingu didn't play and they still had Garuba and Fernando healthy, who did they start against a Detroit team that plays bigs? They started Jabari Smith Jr. So yep. we, we have seen them uh, have Tari Eason defend Rudy Gobert at times uh, in the last you know few weeks. So I am interested to see if they look to play small just to see how that looks. And so Jay Sean State, uh, it should be mentioned since you're talking about that. Jay Sean Tate is still on the team and he's somebody that can, you know, a, a broad shoulder guy that can body up with, with bigger guys to, to be a shorter player. So yeah, there's another and, one. 
and one other guy to bring up too, whose role should increase over these last, you know, uh, 27 games, Josh Christopher. Uh, he really yeah. does, you know, he has, there, there's a, there's a lane for him to get consistent minutes. It hasn't been great. A lot of times this season, it has been better of late, but now there's nobody really standing in his way because you look at how the starting lineup has looked. KJ Martin has been starting already. So they need, I mean, this is the whole point guard thing too. I mean, they are really playing without a point guard right now. They have three guys that I think they really trust at that position with Gordon, um, Tate and, uh, and uh, who's the other one? And Porter, who's who's not even playing. So I mean that that puts well, a lot on. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say Ty Ty, but I know we're not talking about the last game. But dude, I I, I, I did want to get to this because they traded Eric Gordon. They didn't get a point guard, and in their last well, game, I, I think Justin Holiday will probably play some for them. So well, really like, okay, I was, okay. So they did get Justin Holiday, but 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 still though, point point remains that they traded Eric Gordon. While needing a point guard, Eric Gordon, I know, is not a traditional point guard, but does a little point guard stuff or did a little point guard stuff for them. And quietly, man, because as hectic of a game as that was or as, as exciting of a game that, as that was against the Kings in the last one, dude, I didn't realize that there were DNPs for, uh, like, was something going on with either Ty Ty Washington or, or Dacia Knicks to why they, they didn't, didn't play? They, no, I don't think they really were in the rotation at all. I mean, I, I think that's they kind didn't, of where... No, they, they, they didn't play. They didn't play. That yeah, and well, I'm, I'm, talking I'm talking Monday up until garbage time. They really weren't a factor uh, in in that game against the Kings either. So I, I mean, all the, they're, all the more. they're basically they're they're basically playing nine guys right now. But obviously now, I mean, they're going to get an opportunity to play as well. And so I'm I'm really interested to see tomorrow in Miami what the starting lineup looks like. I mean, I, I can yeah. tell you, Jalen Green will be in there. Uh, you will see. Um, KJ Martin will be in there. Jabari Smith will be in there. Alfred Shinkun will be in there. But that fifth spot, I mean, we we have seen it recently. It's been Knicks. Knicks hasn't been playing. So I will it be Knicks? Will it be Washington? Who knows what happens with Justin Holiday? So it, it becomes a very and because not be Porter. Porter's not going to be back. Who knows when Porter? Porter probably doesn't come back uh, until after the All Star break. So that's you know one of the interesting aspects moving forward is just how. Just they're going to give some minutes to some to some really young guys, and well, I'll be interested to see uh, how how they handle that. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, that that's just what stands out to me is that they're not particularly good at point guard, and the two guys on the team that are point guards, not counting Kevin Porter Jr., obviously, because he's hurt. The two healthy guys on the team were not factored into the rotation, and, and Eric Gordon's been shipped out. So, yeah, you mentioned Justin Holiday. Hell, he's probably going to have to play if these other guys aren't going to, because uh, outside of that, you don't really have much in the way of ball handlers, uh, you know, unless you play one of those other guys. So, yeah, the starting lineup and the rotations themselves is particularly, as much as I said, the the center thing is is clarified or cleared up. The log jam is cleared up. The guards are going to be really interesting to see how they navigate that up until Kevin Porter Jr. comes back. And and I don't think we have a better sense for when that is exactly. So uh, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting times to watch them and see how they navigate everything. So uh, but but this John Wall thing, I wanted to I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was funny. I just I find it just entertaining and amusing because I don't know what happens with John Wall next. Uh, but <laughs> it was lightly entertained, I feel like, in, in different pockets of the internet that John Wall wouldn't be a bad 
like player to trade for the Rockets to trade for, given their issues at point guard. But then, you know, he went on the the Opinton podcast and sort of set fire to any idea that he and the Rockets would reconcile. And I don't know, I, I guess a couple of things like what do you what do you make of the irony of all of this or how all of this has played out with John Wall being traded back to the Rockets and waived? And do you think that had he not gone scorched earth on the organization in that podcast, that there might be a, a, a place for him on that team? I doubt it. I don't think that they they didn't have any interest in playing him last year. So I don't think right. that anything would have changed this year. Um, it, it, it is funny. They're in Miami tomorrow. I mean, they're in, uh, they flew to Miami today. So they're in Miami tomorrow. I wonder if he can just sit on the bench uh, for all time's sake. It, uh, whatever, I, I don't, I'm not sure what they're calling the, the Miami arena now. But yeah. It, I, bet, uh, I, bet he, I bet he falls through either way. I bet he's just there just hanging, just chilling. Shades and everything. Yeah, so I I don't think I mean when when you saw Wall's name come down there, you're kind of hoping, hey, just keep him, just just see how just see how that works and, and see yes. the awkward. Obviously, uh, I don't think that was ever going to happen. Um, <laughs> feel for Wall because he hadn't played in 14 games. I mean, he's basically been shelled by the Clippers. So I, I think it was only a matter of time before that happened. And it sounded like he would have been bought out or he would have just been waived by them had they not traded him. But obviously it was just about the contract. Um, we'll see what his future is though, because, you know, obviously what happened here, they didn't really give him much of an opportunity last. They didn't give him an opportunity to, at all last year. And it felt like um, the Clippers might be his, that would be it. But I, I don't know. You know, you look, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, two guys who get traded at the deadline, and I, I just don't know what their future, what the future holds for either one of them. It's, uh, you know, I, I remember when they got into the league. It, it makes you feel old because those two guys are now old, and it kind of feels like they're on their way out. And you remember when they first got into the league, and they they were just these these marvels at, at that position. I mean, I, you've never seen you know, Wall so fast when he when he was at his peak, and the same thing with Westbrook, just the athleticism it blew you away, and now. I mean, it almost feels like it's over for both of them. Dude, I remember in 2010 covering is the first NCAA tournament game or, or, or anything NCAA tournament tournament related that I had covered. And it was in New Orleans. And the, the Kentucky was playing. It was that year that John Wall and the Marcus Cousins was there. I think Eric Bledsoe was on that team. First Calipari and, year. Yeah, the first Calipari year. And they played somebody like East Tennessee State or, you know, one of those teams in the first round or something like that. And I had been covering Sam Houston State all year, you know, a mid-major, you know, a respectable mid-major, had won the Southland Conference and earned their way to the to the NCAA tournament, got their teeth kicked in by by Baylor. But, you know, I'd covered them all year and, and, and you know, was doing great and everything. And then I get to – I get to this game in New Orleans and see John Wall. And mind you, I think I want to say they might have played Sam Houston might have played them earlier in the year at Rupp Arena, if not the year before. But either way, I see John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins in person. And I'm thinking those guys aren't in anybody's college or or like like they didn't look like kid, like anything close to kids. And I think they might have been a little bit older for freshmen anyway. But I just remember never feeling that way about college kids in my life, uh, seeing them in uh, real life and in person. And to go from that, you know, thinking and I, of course, you remember him being drafted number one overall. And he does the Dougie all the way out through his uh, the first time he's announced and 
that was like just viewed as so like different and odd and immature. But now it's like you look back on it, and you're like he's so old. He did the Dougie, and it, like when it was cool, you know. Um, and so it's just it's just funny to see how how we all age and how time passes like that. But yeah, man, it's it's it, it is an interesting one that that all of this would happen with John Wall and like with both of them. You mentioned him in Westbrook. The thing that stands out to me, I think, with both of them, I see if you agree with this. It feels like. It feels like neither of them is is good enough to swing a contender right now or to make a contender feel like, hey, that's the missing piece, John Wall, Russell Westbrook. But it also feels like because of their stature and they are just good enough to where they don't fit in as like the role player on a on a bad rebuilding team like the Rockets. Like there's a little bit too much pride and stature for that, for them to just be another guy on a on a bad team but a good team doesn't really have a place for them. They, they feel like kind of like men without a country right now in terms of the type of player that they are. Well, Westbrook for sure, because he hasn't really adjusted his game as he's gotten older. He tries, he, he still wants to be the same guy. Wall, I think, I, I think Wall could go and be like a third point guard on a team and you could bring him in in case of an emergency and be okay. But like you said, it's a matter of, does he want to do that? And when you have been at, at his level and been so good and been a multi-time all-star and, and been at the top of the sport, it, it's hard to do that. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to acknowledge that that's your role. And, and I don't, I don't know ultimately what his role could be moving forward. I, it, it seems like he's healthy, which is obviously an important step. And maybe if he were to go to, to another team and, and get an opportunity, maybe he could help a team. I feel like wall could help a team, uh, better than Westbrook could help a team at this point. But you, you brought it up. So I do have the box score, Sam Houston against Kentucky. Third year from uh, the third game from the 2009-2010 season, Sam Houston played them tough, 102-92 at Rupp. Um, yep. Uh, Corey Allman hit 11 threes. Is that right? Check Corey Allman's box score. I'm not I'm not looking at it. Did Corey yes. Allman hit 11? Off the bench. Off the bench. The, I'll, 37 I'll never points forget it. I will never, ever, ever forget it, man. I, I covered that team. I know those guys really well. Rest in peace to Ashton Mitchell, the point guard there, no longer with us. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I, I'll never forget that team and that, and that little run and introducing me, basically, my, my first uh, firsthand up-close and personal experience with the NCAA tournament and running into John Wall. And, and I saw Jay Billis in person for the first time. Didn't realize – you know, because Jay Billis's playing days were obviously predated me, so I knew he was tall. But I'm like, damn it, he's every bit of six eight that he says he is. You know, uh, really, really kind of cool experience. Like, because you, you know, you think of Jay Billis as more of a smart, analytical type, and maybe just forget. Like, if you see this guy in person, you know, he's he he is a a large human being. You know, um, the first time Adam, you'll appreciate this as a media person or just somebody in this business. The first time I was made to throw away my Coca-Cola because it wasn't one of the brand sponsored brands for the tournament. And the only cups we could have out there was vitamin water. It was a very like adult moment, like introduction to the real world. Hey, kid, we know you just went and got that soda from back there, but you got to drink it back there, you know, or, or pour, it in, pour it in the vitamin water cup. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Introduction to the real world, man. Really cool time. So. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with John Wall. We'll see what happens with Russell Westbrook. I know 
since we're here, man, I don't know how much of the station you were able to listen to throughout uh, throughout Thursday. I know you were on Wednesday within the loop. And of course, as you know, I'm on with them on, on Thursdays. But a couple of our hosts have thrown it out there about Russell Westbrook and how his demeanor, his overall personality and get down would benefit the Rockets if he were to be bought out by the Jazz, and we all believe that he will be. Now, none of I don't think that this is a even almost in play. But the the thing that I pushed back on was I don't I don't know that just because Russell Westbrook is like surly and and very professional on top of that, but I don't know if if he can impart that upon this team in like 20 something games or 30, however many games are left. Like, I don't, I don't know if it would have the impact that sort of what they were trying to, to impress upon it. Like, Hey, insert this veteran here and he's going to make Jalen green want to be a hard ass or anything like that. No, that that's not, that's not going to work. And I do think one of the things about Russell Westbrook is a great teammate. I think people yes. who have played with him in the past will tell you he is the best teammate that they've ever had. I, I had this conversation with Austin Rivers a few years ago because he heard, like every, everyone says that Russell Westbrook is this great teammate and Austin's like, I didn't really believe it at first because you see how he is, you know, when you're his opponent, but yeah, it, it is true. He is a great teammate. He's not really this like great role model in terms of how you want to play the game. You know, he tends, he, he doesn't always, you know, he'll play hard at the offensive end of the floor. Defensively, he'll take plenty of possessions off. So I don't think that that's necessarily the guy that, that you want. Plus, he wants the ball a ton. He's going to freelance a lot. Um, He's not going to be all that effective at it. If you wanted a, a, a veteran and he can't guy. Shoot. To, he can't shoot. Yeah. The Rockets are the, they're the second worst, if not the worst. I forget the number now, but they're among they the worst. Yeah. They can't shoot. Like, I know that they're not necessarily trying to win and that winning doesn't matter. And maybe even, you know, losing is more conducive to the overall cause. But you got a team that can't shoot, just traded away one of its best shooters, and you're going to bring in Russell Westbrook, somebody that's got to have the ball and can't shoot it. Like, they, when they had him and when he was good here three years ago, they had to trade Clint Capella because they couldn't have two guys on the team at the same time that couldn't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, if you're going to bring him in, it's wild. Yeah, I think Pat Beverly would have, if you wanted like a vet to bring in, Pat Beverly would have been that guy. But real quick, uh, uh, Kelly Eco from The Athletic reporting, the Rockets had other offers for Eric Gordon that would have given them late first round picks in 2023, and they turned those down in favor of the pick swap. So it kind of shows you that the Rockets were uh, valued the opportunity to have the two first round picks in this draft with one being in the middle of the second round or excuse me, in the middle of the first round, as opposed to having their own lottery pick plus two late picks in the first round. So I think that kind of shows you what they were looking for in this trade is that they wanted to get a mid first round pick as opposed to getting another late round pick, which they already had. So it, I think that we have a, a clear idea of what they were looking at based on, on that report from Kelly. All right, before we get out of here, and you know, by the, we should probably address this before the whole thing is decided. They figure out exactly what they're going to do with Danny Green, but why should why should the Rockets keep Danny Green? Uh, you know, obviously a veteran, three time NBA champion, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with three different teams. But what what do you think his utility would be on this team as a veteran? He's an adult who knows what he's doing. I think everybody would tell you he's a great teammate, and. This team needs that because right now, essentially everybody who they will be playing, all their rotation guys 
will either be first, second, third year guys, aside from Kevin Porter, who's this old fourth year guy. So, I mean, it, it would probably be beneficial for them to have another adult in the room. I mean, you've, you've already traded the one adult that you had with Eric Gordon. So I do think that it would probably help them just to have, again, veteran role model, a guy who knows what he's doing on both ends of the floor. I think that that would help them. I don't know if necessarily Danny Green is interested in that sort of a role. He's been a guy who's been on good teams really his entire career going from san antonio to toronto to the lakers into philly um so yeah, cleveland, I, I, cleveland before that you know he's with lebron yeah. you know even before that you know um and, and played yes. in north carolina like he all he knows is success yeah so I, I it sounds like that they're going to at least discuss a buyout with him and and who knows how that turns out but as soon as you hear that they're discussing a buyout with the guy it usually means they're going to buy the guy out so it, it sounds like his Rockets career will uh, will last for a few hours. Yeah, and, and yeah, no, I don't anticipate him stepping on the floor for the Rockets, even though I think it would be. Uh, I I do agree with you that it would have some sort of good impact, cool impact on on them in terms of having an adult, similar to what I think the logic was for a lot of people or, or the host that I was mentioning, Landry and Ron, uh, about Russell Westbrook. I think you know uh, Danny Green similarly as a as a veteran and a good teammate would have, I think even more so and better uh, in a better way would have the impact that I think they were aiming for. But of course, Russell Westbrook, the bigger name makes it a more um, inflammatory and interesting take to have. So, uh, so, so there, there is that. And, and, you know, obviously this is not going to happen, but one thing that I thought about, like, if he did like, just, just kind of dream with the hypothetical here is like, you know, he's doing the part-time TV thing now. And he's a lot more interesting on, and I think he's going to be fine in TV in the post-career, but he's a lot more interesting on those shows when he's on a team that's relevant. You know, he's broken news a little bit here and there at times on TV um, about either maybe uh, Desmond Bain or Dylan Brooks, one of the whichever guy was hurt earlier in the season, kind of gave some, gave a little clues of when that guy would be back, you know, around Christmas. And it's good having a guy on a team, like for media purposes, employing a guy who's on a relevant team, which Danny Green has basically always been. And, you know, obviously this year with with the Grizzlies, but now with the Rockets, it's like they don't want to know nothing about it. They don't want to know what Danny Green's hearing in the locker room. You know, like check back with us in a couple of years whenever the Rockets have things figured out. Like I feel like he's a far less valuable insider you know, obviously has his experience and and all of that cachet is being a champion and everything, but far less valuable of an insider as being a member of the Rockets as he is, say, the Grizzlies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, man. Last thing before we go, and we can get out of here on this is the impact of the because I just wanted to follow up on this since we did discuss it a little bit uh, with the Kyrie Irving news. The Kevin Durant trade had not happened yet. Do we feel like the the excitement about this is warranted given what what the Nets have have gotten in return? I feel like they did sort of the I don't want to say the best they could cuz the Kevin Durant uh the the Kevin Durant return it was to me was underwhelming, but it I don't think it's going to be a bad team. I feel like the points that we made before about the Kyrie Irving trade sort of still stand now with the Kevin Durant trade or similar but obviously now they are without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So they're, they're inherently worse. What do you think about the impact for the Rockets 
with these picks now, with them owning the next, you know, all the picks through 2027 uh, via swap or whatever it is uh, and, and how that's going to play out. Yeah, I don't think that it, it's quite the celebration that I, that I was seeing last night about the demise of the Nets. Obviously, uh, Brooklyn's chances of winning a championship are basically over, at least with the way that the team is set up right now. But that's not what the Rockets wanted. The Rockets wanted Brooklyn to completely bottom out. And I feel like the chances of that happening really decreased with both of these trades, just because now the Nets aren't as reliant on a 34-year-old Kevin Durant. They're not as reliant on... Uh, on Kyrie Irving and so I do think that it kind of raises their floor a little bit because I think Michael Bridges helps them he's a really good player and he's really young and you're gonna have a really good defense when he's on the floor and the fact that they do get those draft picks from Phoenix it allows them to do a few other things so I don't know if we'll ever see the Brooklyn bottoming out that I think that people were hoping for. I think really in, in a perfect world, what the Rockets were hoping for is that Brooklyn would have that Harden, Irving, Durant team for a few years. Those guys would all get old at the same time. And then Brooklyn would fall flat, you know, fall flat on their faces for, you know, 2026, 2027. And that's when you really cash in on those picks. I don't know if that is necessarily going to happen now. I, I don't think if, if the Brooklyn free fall is ever going to happen, but I do think that it makes it more likely that all these picks that the Rockets are getting from the Nets would be around in the lottery, at least. And then maybe you get lucky that way. But um, you look at the pick swap that the Rockets were to get this year, it's possible Brooklyn misses the playoffs. I mean, it is very possible that this Nets team now doesn't make the playoffs. And maybe you get lucky in the lottery and it comes up for you the right way. Maybe next year, uh, Brooklyn, again, is in the lottery and you get lucky that way. So by Brooklyn, if Brooklyn can miss the playoffs, then at least you're in the lottery and you're in the game that way. And maybe the ping pong balls come up uh, the way that you want them. But I don't know if this is like the big celebratory, oh, you know, Rafael Stone hit the big home run with the Harden trade that some people were saying. I, again, I don't think the Harden trade was bad. I don't think that the, the Durant trade is necessarily a bad thing for the Rockets moving forward. But you were hoping that Brooklyn just bottoms out. And by making a trade – and getting some decent assets back in return. I mean, you get Bridges is a good player. Cam Johnson's a good player. They they have to resign him basically. But I don't know if this um, if this gets Brooklyn to you know the bottom third of the league, which I, is what I think that you're hoping for. And that's what happened to Brooklyn uh, after the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett trade. Right. Is that I was just they stopped spending up. money. Yeah. Those guys got old. They lost those guys for nothing. Now you have no picks. Now you have no cap space. And then it all fell apart that way. So the big thing to watch yeah. is Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is really the wild card for Brooklyn moving forward. If Ben Simmons continues to be bad, well, then Brooklyn's ceiling is very, very low. If Ben Simmons figures it out, then all of a sudden that changes things for them. So I, I don't think so. Obviously, Brooklyn is not a title contender anymore, but I don't know if they are a contender to completely bottom out and finish bottom five in the league. Yeah, I, I feel like what's happening is there's been a lot of confusion with it not working and it imploding in Brooklyn with the stars, it being like arguably one of the worst uh, or most failed experience or experiments that, we, that we've had of a collection of stars, maybe ever, certainly in recent memory. Like th that part of it is, is true and there's egg on the faces of everybody that I guess was involved in that but it doesn't necessarily translate into a good thing for the Rockets. It just means that Brooklyn has this sort of public embarrassment that they're going to have to wear. All of them are going to have to wear for their careers, but it doesn't necessarily translate into 
okay, they're going to bottom out and the Rockets are going to benefit are going to benefit from it in this tremendous way. And I think people also forget that the Nets were good when Kyrie and, and I know they look totally different now, so I'm not saying it's the apples to apples thing, but they were good when Kyrie and Kevin Durant decided to go there. It was in part why they decided to go there because they felt like there was an infrastructure there that they could work with as opposed to like the Knicks or, you know, or whatever. Like that was the reason why they picked them because they thought that was the best situation and the best way to, to win immediately or as close to immediately as possible, as soon as possible. So, so careful. I, I just mentioned that to say careful on this idea that just because they don't have those guys that they're not going to be relevant or in the mix because they were relevant and in the mix when D'Angelo Russell was their best player before all of that happened. So, uh, so that's just something to keep in mind, even though, uh, even though I do think there is some hope though, like if you want to be like, if you want to be an optimistic Rockets fan about it, there is some hope that the bottom out potential is there. And you kind of laid it out there with, you know, what if, what if Ben Simmons is terrible what if some of these guys that are good that we mentioned that they just added get injured or, you know, something, you know, something bad happens essentially, you know, um, and it, it it doesn't even realize whatever potential it has. Then that's good for the Rockets, obviously. Like it's still something to monitor and keep a pin in, but it doesn't automatically mean I do think it it's it is significant, though, that both guys are gone. You know, obviously, like they don't just have one. They don't they don't have a single star like difference a guy that swings the pendulum of contender or not or or playoff team or not like they're gonna have to be if they're gonna be good if they're gonna be relevant they're gonna have to be sort of like what they were before those guys got there so uh so that part of it is interesting and i you know i want to see how all of it plays out like like here we are um now like it, it feels like closure right adam like the it, it's the end of that Nets era of like them being what they what they were going to be or what they were projected to be with all of those guys coming together. And at the same time, it's the end of the old Rockets era that James Harden led and, and fled, uh, but that was a part of or that Eric Gordon was a part of, a, a, such an essential part of. And it's kind of like, you know, the end of multiple eras and chapters in 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 Rockets history with all of those things yeah. happening at once. And, and, and let me let me just add two on the Brooklyn part of it. it. With those three guys, it's like you're selling stock. They took a loss with all three, but they didn't lose everything with all three. Right. I mean, they still got picks back for Harden. Um, they still got a pick and, and a couple of players for Kyrie Irving, and then they get all the picks back uh, and, and a couple of players for Durant. And like you like you said, the Nets have been very good at building a team out of nothing. I mean, they built they, they got they built a playoff team with basically a bunch of late first round picks and some cap space. So, I mean, they, they understand that they've been through this before and they've been able to put a manageable product out on the floor by playing this way, but, and they didn't have a Michael Bridges to start with. They didn't have a Cam Johnson to start with, and they didn't have any draft picks. And obviously Phoenix could fall apart too. I mean, this whole thing in Phoenix is not exactly the most stable thing in the world. So I, I do think Brooklyn is, Brooklyn's not sitting in a great spot, but I don't think it's as celebratory as some people might want it to be for the rock on the rocket side of things. Yeah. Yeah. And as a side and, note, and I think know, it is going to go ahead. Do you know, who the long, do you know who the longest tenured rocket is now? Oh, I could tell you, uh, is it, let's see. Jay Sean Tate is in his third year. Let's see. It, it would be, it would have to be KJ Martin actually. Cause he was drafted. I don't, 
I think it's I think Tate signed his contract before Martin signed his. So I believe it is Tate who is the longest tenured rocket. Okay. I was gonna say it was it was gonna have to be out of KJ Martin or Jay Sean Tate, the longest tenured rocket and tenured rockets, and both guys that survived the trade deadline, guys whose names were in the mix that could have also been dealt. So uh, obviously they're still around, but had either one of those guys been been traded. It would have only been one of them left to be the longest tenured rocket. And if both of them had been traded, it would have been a completely, it's a completely hodgepodge, different uh, mix of guys that, you know, most people who don't follow the day to day like you and I do would have to be introduced to, uh, like, who are these guys if they were to go to a game or just turn on a random game. So, you know, obviously, other the, than you know, the, the draft picks. And those are the only two players left from Stephen Silas's first trading game. Two guys. It's been two and a half Dude. years, two guys. Dude, I, I know we're trying to get out of here, man, but what it, Steven Silas, man, how, like, how about that? Like, he finally puts his foot down in that game, you know, and we're this isn't a react to the game podcast, but, but we did have a moment there in that game against the Kings where Steven Silas gets on Alperin Shingun's ass. I can't remember if it was a turnover or if it was a missed defensive assignment, but whatever it was, he benches Shingun. You and I were sitting there together for like one play. Barely. And maybe there was a couple of sequences that happened before he was able to check back in the game before there was a stoppage of play. But Steven Silas all of a sudden has a fire lit under his ass and is and is light one under this team. And the the thing that stood out about this moment is whatever happened with Shingun, he pulls him. Shingun immediately goes to the end of the bench, all the way to the end of the bench. And Silas did something that I don't think I've seen him do. And you go to more games than I do. He walked all he followed him. He followed him, whatever he was saying to him, followed him all the way to the end of the bench and pestered him a little bit, like maybe he really needed it, and then followed him back to the scores table when it was time to check back in, like stuck with it, you know? And then at the end there, I see uh, Jalen Green and, and Jay Sean Tate playing a little good cop or, or, or pep talk motivation, like, hey, man, you got it type of thing to you know pick up their teammate after Coach just chewed his ass out, but... But how about that, man? It's, it's amazing. And, and that effort that they gave until the very end, like those boneheaded plays at the very end, you know, the charge and the turnover and the foul at the end uh, to blow that game against the Kings. But, you know, they, they played a lot better. It felt At least it felt like I know they still gave up 130 or whatever it was. But it felt like they played a lot better and responded to Stephen Silas. I don't want to call it a temper tantrum, dare I say, but whatever the hell that was that we saw uh, the other night after that first game. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, and the last two-minute report from last night's game has uh, just come out. Uh, as expected, the uh, the foul call on Eric Gordon was deemed a correct call by the league in the last yeah. two-minute report. Uh, you heard the pool report, um, or you saw if you saw it, the pool reporter, um, the uh, the crew chief said that they they looked at it after the game and it confirmed that it, it was in fact a foul. The officials yeah. made two mistakes and both benefited the Rockets, according to in the last two minutes. The last two minute report says both mistakes made by the crew uh, benefited the Rockets. One was an out of bounds with Gordon uh, that should have been uh, King's ball, and I believe uh, Shingun got away with a foul on Demontis Savonis. So. Uh, there you go. I knew the yeah. last two minute report would be interesting. I did not think it would be. I did not think it would go that way, though. So there it is. I yeah. Put a bow uh, on last night's game. Yeah. In real time and from where we sat, it did not look like a foul in real time. When you look at the replay, slow it down. And obviously they were standing closer to the play. The, the officials were and could see it. It was clearly a foul. And I even found the pictures, the 
you know, we have the subscription to the USA Today and Getty images for, you know, from the games. And there are pictures of him clearly making contact. Like it's, it's just there, you know, plain as day. As much as, as frustrating as it may have been to watch for Rockets fans and as unnecessary as it felt in the moment, both, both things, let's be honest, it felt unnecessary for Eric Gordon to contest in that way to bump him at all. And it felt like such a light bump that it felt unnecessary to call as well. But the contact was there. You cannot, I don't feel like you can dispute factually that it was a foul. So no, yeah, I mean that's where we're yeah. at. Yeah, there you go. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, man, the that's the trade deadline. Rockets look a little bit different. End of an era with Eric Gordon. We'll see how things play out with the pieces that they added and how that impacts the rotation exactly. What are they doing at point guard? How much longer is Kevin Porter Jr. going to be out? Those are things that we'll dive into, I'm sure, plenty next week on the H-Town Hoops podcast. But that is it for this episode. Make sure that y'all are rating, reviewing, subscribing, doing all of that stuff that it takes to grow the podcast and share the podcast with the people. We much appreciate it, much appreciate you. Um, If I didn't mention, Austin Mendez is producing this bad boy. Thank you for everything you do behind the scenes. And until next time, y'all be good.